Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, today is the final conversation in a series called Heart to Hand. And over the last four weeks, we've been talking about this idea that when Jesus takes over your heart, when you trust him with your life, it actually shows up in what you build with your hands. And we've been talking about how this affects everything in your life. It affects your language. It affects your behavior. It affects your rhythm of life, how you treat people, how you think about life and the perspective that you hold. And it even influences what you do with your money. And so in week one, we talked about this question, where do you place your hope? And we discovered that when you place all of your hope in Jesus, it affects all of your life. And then in week two, we talked about what belongs to you and what belongs to God. And we discovered that everything belongs to God and that he has given to us what we have in our hands and he invites us to use it the way that he would use it. And then last week, we discovered that we don't have to be afraid that our heavenly father takes care of us and that the biggest thing we learned was that when we build the kingdom of God, God takes care of those who build. And so we're grateful for that. And today is our final conversation. And so what I wanna do before we actually dive in is I wanna talk about some assumptions and some confusion we have about giving in a very practical way, but also in a very spiritual way. Let's talk practical for a moment. What happens on the weekend here at Active is powerful, but it's not something that just kind of happens. It takes place because a group of activators and a really incredible staff team come together to pray and to plan and to process and to prepare so that this weekend at Active Church is a weekend that honors Jesus and honors you. It worships Jesus and brings value to you. And so we assume that all of this kind of just comes together, but in reality, it's a lot of hard work It's a lot of praying and a lot of preparing and a lot of planning. I've been asked over the last 20 years in ministry, hey, Mike, what do you do all week? And the joke is I sit in this room that I'm in right now and I anticipate your arrival and I twiddle my thumbs until you get here. But the reality is that our whole team plans and prepares and really does a great job of making our weekends what they are. And we're thankful for that. And then there's some confusion about how this organization practically is resourced. Like it's not a state run organization. We're not funded by the state. We're a nonprofit, which means that we don't exist for profit. We exist to meet the needs and the desires and the hopes of the people in our community. We exist to tell the story of Jesus, to meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus and help people to do that. And so when it comes to how this organization, Active Church is resourced, you and I resource it. You and I allow the the team that's been hired, the staff that's been created by God to do this and do this well. We resource them and we allow them to lead well. We give them the space and the place to do that. You and I, we help fund the building payment and the property taxes and the air conditioning bill and the electricity bill. And I know all of those things aren't really great things to talk about, right? They're, They're not the wow factor when it comes to better stories. But here's why it's so important. When we actually fund those things with our resources, with our giving, we're actually creating a space and a place so that people can fall in love with Jesus and discover hope again and get baptized like 
over a thousand people over the last seven years or invite a friend or be able to drop their kids off and trust us with their kids at Active Kids. Like our giving helps fund all of this. And so those are some of the assumptions and some of the confusion we have practically. But when it comes to spiritual things, there's a lot of weight that we carry with our assumptions and our confusions about giving. Like for example, there's this assumption that we have to give in order for God to give to us. Like if we don't give, then God won't love us or move on our behalf or take care of us. And the truth is, is that none of that is true. That is not who God is and that is not what God does. We give out of a response because God gave to us. We give because God gave us Jesus. We give because Jesus is Lord of our life. And we've learned how to give from God. It was Jesus that actually said, for God so loved, so he gave. He so loved the world. He loved you and he loved me. And he gave of his son to rescue and save us. And so the assumption that we have to give in order for God to move on our behalf is terrible because God always moves first. God came close to us first. God loved us first. God gave first. God invited us into forgiveness and freedom first. And no matter what we do, no matter how we live, it doesn't change God's love for us. Listen, you don't have to give one penny and Jesus will love you and serve you and rescue you and save you. Your giving is not tied to your life after this life where I think a lot of confusion lands. I think some people think that our giving is tied to heaven and hell. It's tied to our eternity. Listen, this isn't a heaven or hell issue. That was taken care of by Jesus on the cross. But as my friend Nofel Stanton once said, and he was a pastor here at Active Church about 30 years ago, Nofel once said that your giving doesn't determine your eternal salvation, but your giving might actually determine the eternal salvation of somebody else. Because your generosity may be the reason why someone finds and follows Jesus. Because you created a, a space and a place for people to meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. And so I hope that that clears up some of the assumptions and some of the confusion we have about generosity. And I would love for us to not hold a posture of assuming things or being confused about things or even doubting. And I know that when it comes to resource, we doubt when we give that the people that we're giving to ultimately to the kingdom of God, it's being used in a wise and trusting way. The truth is at Active, we wanna make sure that every resource that's given is used to tell the story of Jesus. It's why the team is on board. It's why our elders are on board. It's why our activators are on board. We're in this with you. This isn't something you do and we don't. This is something we do together. And my wife and I are so passionate about it because we've seen how generosity has changed our hearts and changed the hearts of those that we love. And so instead of being confused or assuming or having doubts, what if we decided to choose a different posture? What if we decided to choose what I'm convinced is the best posture of generosity? And it's a posture that actually Paul writes about in a letter in the scriptures called 2 Corinthians. And if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app on your phone, would you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter eight? We're gonna start in verse one. And as you turn there, here's a bit of context. Paul started a lot of churches in the East and each of these churches, there was a leader that was put in charge. And then Paul would move on and he would start another church. And then he would write letters to each of these churches to help them to understand the commands of Jesus in a very practical and tangible way. What Jesus said, Paul says, here's what it looks like in 
real life, an everyday, ordinary life. And he would also write these letters to encourage and challenge and to remind. And it's in this letter in 2 Corinthians, it's one of a couple of letters that he writes to this church. He tells them the story of another church, of another group of people who were generous. And he is so excited about this story, he wants, it to, he wants to pass it along to this church because they're learning about generosity and he wants to inspire them and challenge them and help them to see what it looks like to connect your heart to your hand. And in this, he talks about the one posture that changes everything. And so I wanna share that posture with you, but to get there, let's read through the story together. Second Corinthians chapter eight, starting in verse one, Paul writes this, beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God has poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering and extreme poverty, their super abundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. Paul's point here is that, man, things were hard, things were heavy, things were tight, but it didn't cause them to hold things close. It caused them to think about what they could do to help meet the needs of those around them because God was meeting their needs. And then he says, I can verify that they spontaneously gave not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. Like this wasn't what was left over. This is what was planned for. And then I, I think what he shares next is probably the best little nugget he could give us. And so I want to read it to you. And then I want to talk it through and explain it. He says in verse four that they actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. Don't miss that. Like they begged us, they asked for an opportunity to be generous. And the reason why they asked was because they had been thoughtful and intentional and they planned on being generous because that's what the people of God do. And this gift was superior. It was unique, but it was superior because it was a gift of prevention. See, you and I, we love to give in a way that intervenes. And it's not bad, by the way, but there is a difference between giving a gift of prevention and giving the gift of intervention. And I wanna explain it to you. Generosity that intervenes is measurable and emotional. And it's why a lot of us love to give that way because we love to see how our giving has changed lives. We love to see the emotional stirring of the people that are receiving our gift. And we also love to see how it stirs up their families and stirs up their stories. And so the gift of intervention is something that we all long for. The gift of intervention is something that we all participate in. Like, let me talk about tonight, for example. Tonight is trunk or treat at Active Church. And we have participated in the gift of intervention by providing candy, right? And we're gonna give away over a million pieces of candy and we're gonna love it because we're gonna watch this giant pile of candy shrink to nothing, but we know that it's going into the hands of boys and girls, of families, and they're gonna walk out of here sugared up and super excited, and it's gonna be something we can measure and it's gonna be emotional because we know that we serve them well, right? We love the gift of intervention. We love to be able to do that. But listen, generosity that is preventative is superior to generosity that intervenes. And here's why. You can't measure it and it's not necessarily emotional, but what it does is build a foundation so better stories can continue. Let me use Trunk or Treat as an example. Yes, we're gonna give away a lot of candy. Yes, we'll be able to measure it. Yes, it'll be emotional, 
But you know what we won't be able to measure, but it will happen tonight, is a mom who maybe has been distracted with a lot going on, holding her son's hand as they walk through collecting candy and having a great time and making a memory. A dad who's been working a lot, who is walking with his daughter and they're able to talk and be present with each other. Friends, we won't be able to measure that, but friends, it will happen tonight at Trunk or Treat because we gave. We gave to intervene, but even more important, we planned for this event and our giving is preventative. What it's doing is it's keeping families together. It's helping to build better stories. And when we intervene, we're intervening in something that's broken, which is a great thing. But preventative giving is superior because we're not intervening when it's broken. We're stepping into a moment when it's growing and we're helping it to tell an even better story. Are you with me? And that's what these people did. That's what Paul talks about, what these people did in this letter in Corinthians. We've seen this happen at Active because people have told us the story of what events like Trunk or Treat have done in their life, like Ed Cruz. Ed is a personal friend. And Ed was somebody that showed up to our trunk or treat in 2019 with his wife and with his son and with his family. And then a year later, when we were outside during COVID, Ed showed up and he showed up here because he had such a great time with his family a year ago that he wanted to find and follow Jesus at the place that created a space for him to have a great time with his family. And so he showed up to active, to trust in Jesus and to announce his trust in Jesus through baptism. Friends, we wouldn't be able to measure that until he told us. We gave and we helped to prevent a relationship from falling apart. We allowed it to continue to grow so much so that Ed found Jesus, fell in love with Jesus and brought his family to church. This is what preventative giving can do. So Giving the gift of intervention is good, but preventative giving, that's superior. And Paul says, that's what this group of people did. And when that gift arrived, listen to what Paul actually said in verse five. He said, they, these people, they exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. Like they started with a relationship with Jesus. That's why they gave. And then it's as if Paul like, has been a part of this conversation with us at Active for the last four weeks. He actually resets the conversation for us and reminds us of what it looks like to connect your heart to your hand. He says in verse six, this is why we appealed to Titus who is in charge of these people. He was their pastor. Since he was the one that got you started and encouraged you to give so that he could help you complete this generous undertaking on your behalf. You would do well and excel in every respect in unstoppable faith and powerful preaching, revelation knowledge, passionate devotion, sharing the love we have shown you. And so make sure that you excel in grace-filled generosity. What Paul actually says here is, can I just explain to you what connecting your heart to your hand actually looks like in all of your life? He says it shows up in unstoppable faith. You're confident that God is who he says that he is and that he has accomplished what he said he would accomplish. It's the let's go type of faith. And you ever been around somebody that's like, let's go, let's trust in Jesus. Nothing's impossible, let's go. And sometimes we need those people in our life to stir us up, right? It's also powerful preaching. Paul says that when you connect your heart to your hand, you're able to put into words what God is doing in your heart. It's revelation knowledge. It's an understanding that everything you have is a gift 
And it's by the grace of God that you are where you are today. And we thank God every day for that in the way that we live. It's passionate devotion where people understand that you really do love Jesus because they feel loved by you. And then he says, it's sharing the love that you and I have shown each other. It's understanding that this love is transformative. It's not a love that you and I define. It's a love that is defined by the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus by the person and work of Jesus. And then Paul says, and don't forget grace-filled generosity. Don't forget it because you're a gift giver and the God that you follow, the God that you worship, the God that you trust, he is a gift giver. And then he gets to his point and he says, a stingy sower will reap a meager harvest but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. In other words, if you want to hold it close, don't be surprised at the results you get. Don't be surprised if life doesn't change around you or in you. Don't be surprised if it's not filled with joy. But if you open your hands, you will discover how it changes you and it changes the world around you. Not because the act of generosity is good, it is but because we are following in the footsteps of Jesus who gave of himself, who gave of his life. And so we give. Friends, the measure of greatness in life is not found in what you keep, but in how much you give away. And then Paul shares the best posture of the heart, the heart that we want, the posture that we want to hold when we participate in generosity, when we tithe, when we give an offering, when we help to connect our heart to our hand. This is the best posture. He says this, let giving flow from the heart, not from a sense of religious duty. We feel obligated so that God will love us. We do this. That's not what this is about. That's what religious duty looks like. He says, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving all because God loves hilarious generosity. And then here's the last line. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God is thrilled when generosity is done with joy. God is honored when generosity comes from the heart. It's as if Paul heard the words of Jesus, read the words of Jesus, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he was like, here's what that looks like in everyday ordinary life. Be a cheerful giver. Give with joy. Let the posture of your heart be celebratory, that you get to participate in what God is doing in you and in the world around you. Give with joy. Give with all of your heart. This is a posture we've seen at Active over and over and over again. From those who show up to paint, those who show up to clean, those who show up to film, those who help build screens, those who helped rearrange and organize different rooms on our campus. It's something that I've seen from friends of mine, like my friend Pat, whose generosity, and I'm going to be dramatic, it saved my life because I was so caught up in anxiety and worry and fear. About four and a half years ago, Active Church went through an unexpected transition, one that we didn't count on, but it happened. And so the leadership of the church asked me and a few of our team members to lead through that transition. And a part of leading through that transition was being really aware of this organization's resources. And I'll tell you, when I first looked at those resources, it was tight. Like here were the bills and here's what was coming in and it was neck and neck. 
And because I'm a very faithful follower of Jesus, I was filled with anxiety. <laughs> I really struggled with trusting that God had us in his hands. It's something I'm learning to do every single day. And so I remember one day I was in a meeting with a few people on our team and I got a text message from somebody who was back at our church office and they said, hey, uh, Pat's waiting for you. I looked at my calendar. I don't have anything scheduled. I don't have a meeting with her. So why is she there? And they responded with, she knows that she didn't set up a meeting with you, but she's going to wait for you to show up. And they said, well, it might be an hour or so. And they responded with, she'll wait. And so here I am in this meeting that was kind of anxious, stirring. And then I knew that I had this person waiting for me, which caused more anxiety. Do you see how faithful I am? So I finished this meeting and I came back and I showed up with Pastor James. We walked in and here was Pat. Very unassuming, sweet, compassionate lady. And so I walked in, she stood up, she came over, we greeted each other. And for about five minutes, we chit-chatted. But knowing in the back of my mind, she's been waiting for an hour, I wanted to get to the point. And so I said, Pat, what can I do for you? Why are you here? And she said, oh. And she reached down to her purse and she pulled out an envelope and she handed it to me. And she said, God has been so good to me. And I want to be good to the people of God and to the church of God. And when I opened up the, the pouch, inside of it was crisp $100 bills. It was a few thousand dollars. And I said, Pat, this is, this is a gift for the church? And she said, yeah. And then I loved her, her line. She said, it's, it's my joy to give to the work of the Lord. And I got to tell you that I didn't expect this from her because she was very unassuming, very quiet, very kind, very compassionate. And I didn't know if she had this type of resource. And yet God blew me away because this resource was what we needed to help make ends meet that week. But what I loved about that moment and why I said that it saved my life was because God reminded me that he can do anything, that nothing's impossible with him and he will use anyone to tell a better story. And Pat, was somebody that was ready to be used by God because of the joy that was in her heart to participate in the kingdom of God. And it was a moment that I will never forget. And it's a moment that reminds me that I want to be like Pat. I want to choose joy in everything that I do, but specifically in when I practice generosity. And I want to invite you to be like Pat. I want to invite you to connect your heart to your hand. And I know that when we talk about this, some of it might feel very practical and some of it might feel a bit ambiguous. And so I want to give you a challenge today. I want to challenge you to create a plan to give, a preventative plan to give. Not that you shouldn't intervene. I want to invite you to intervene when you can. But I want to invite you to create a plan where you are intentional and thoughtful, where you thought ahead of time, we're going to help resource the story that God is telling at Active. We call it the 10-10-80 plan, and I'm sure you probably have heard it. If you haven't, 10-10-80 plan is you give 10% to the local church, 10% to your savings, and then 80% is what you live on. And you can move those numbers around if necessary because you know your bills better than I do. You know what you make better than I do. But here's the thing that I want to caution you on. A 10-10-80 plan, a budget plan will not change your heart. It will not cause you to give joyfully. Jesus does that. And so I want to invite you to depend on him, to submit to him, to trust in him, to give your heart to him so that when you do create your 10-10-80 plan, when you participate in intentional acts of generosity, you will be able to say, like Pat, 
It's my joy to give. It's my joy to give to the work of the Lord. And here's what I've discovered in my life. And I know you'll discover it in your life when you practice generosity. You will never miss money that you have given away that enhances and helps someone to tell a better story. You will never miss the resource that you have given away that has changed somebody's life, whether you know about it or whether you hear about it later. Friends, I gotta tell you, I wanna be like Pat. I wanna be like this church that Paul writes about. I wanna be like Jesus. And I want you to do the same. So connect your heart to your hand. Participate in building the kingdom of God and do it with joy because there's no other way to accomplish it. There's no other way to go about it. It's not worth doing it out of obligation. Choose joy because that's a reflection of the power of God, the Holy Spirit in you overflowing from your heart to your hands. Let me pray for you. So Heavenly Father, as we finish this conversation, I'm grateful that we can talk about these things honestly and openly, authentically and genuinely. And I pray for each person watching and listening, that their hearts would choose a posture of joy so that when they give, they would give with excitement, with an anticipation that you're gonna do something great. God, I pray that the resources we have in our hands, in our wallets, in our bank accounts would belong to you fully. And we would use it to tell your story. We would use it to build the kingdom of God. And we would do that responsibly. We would be good stewards. And God, most importantly, that we would do it with a celebratory attitude. We would do it with joy. We get to do this because of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Together, you and I say, amen and amen, and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.